Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast that rather than breaking down the tasting notes and shelf talkers, no, we're breaking down the stories, the people, and the moments that shape up just right to make what's in that bottle so special. And the fact that this is all happening in the most exciting wine region in the world right now, Paso Wine Country, it's just that much better. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Well, Harvest 2023, baby, it's officially begun. I've already had some winemakers on my morning show saying they have brought in fruit this vintage. Some are still waiting. Most actually are waiting, but some have brought in some fruit. It's officially begun on the edge of ripeness, on the edge of greatness, as my friend, the great Mike Siner says. So happy harvest to all our brothers and sisters in Paso wine country, to the winemakers, the vineyard managers, cellar masters, cellar rats, and yes, the interns. The long hours, the great meals, and the memories that will indelibly shape you. Enjoy where harvest and where wine takes you this harvest. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to it. It means so much. And if you can, share the pod with someone who you think might enjoy it. Today we're talking about food and wine pairings. I know it might seem a little cliche. Yes, food and wine pairing. Been there, done that, right? And perhaps you have, but not likely like this. Today, we have two brands that are making food and wine pairings a mainstay at their respective places, and the way they do it is really special. I mean, wineries having chefs on staff, even like 10 years ago, was pretty rare. There were a couple. Now, many, many more have on-site and full-time chefs on the roster. And not just the big dogs. The two wineries we have on today are not huge by any stretch, but are using thoughtfully created bites that just slay and using them well to make the wine and the experience with their wine even more world-class and unforgettable. After today's conversation, don't miss our Travel Paso Spotlight. We're going to be chatting with my friend Libby Ryan. She's from Just Baked. They bake just about everything, and I can't wait to share with you Libby, her infectious enthusiasm, and even she's got some big news with her business. That's our Travel Paso Spotlight after our interview today. So two wineries on today's show, one we featured, one's brand new to the pod. You might remember we had on John Munch, who is a Paso legend, no doubt, way back in episode 27. Now, John Munch is one of a kind. Great stories, and I encourage you to listen to that one if you haven't yet. It's so cool that these older episodes, they age like wine. I mean, they don't sound stale or dated. They play real well. So I encourage you while you're washing dishes, road tripping, pop it on. I think you'll dig it. So we are back at La Cuvier, this time with their winemaker, Clay, and their chef, Rachel. Also going to introduce you to the folks behind Via San Juliet, where I'm excited to introduce you to their winemaker, Dan, and I also got their chef, Roberto, in the house. So both these respected chefs, actually, they know each other from earlier in their careers, which is kind of cool, kind of a cool connection, as well as the way one winery saw what the other was doing with food and wine and picked their brain about how they could do it too. One might think and not be far off, in so many other industries where this would be like frowned upon. Oh, they're copying us, wait a minute. But here, it's not like that. It's cooperative, it's neighborly, it's a compliment, and it's how it works here. I show up to La Cuvier, which again, is just a pretty drive, some real elevation, some incredible views. I got Georgie with me, lots of food, lots of wine, so let's dive right in. Give me that mm-hmm sound, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company.
Salute, friends. Here we go. Thank yeah. you, everybody. This is so cool to have two chefs, two winemakers. This is uh, quite the treat. And what I thought was so interesting is that Via San Juliet, you kind of, uh, Dan and Roberto, who's the chef, you guys kind of got inspired a little bit with what Le Cuvier was doing with food pairings for a while. Is that right? Yeah, we've been doing food the whole time as a bistro menu. We've been talking about a pairing menu for several years and kind of cut ourselves short a little bit by overthinking how to execute. And so uh, my wife, Jessica, actually was had just done their pairing. She's like, they are so she works with them too? No, she works for Wine Direct. Oh, okay, got it, got yeah. it. She came, she was there with her client. She's great, we love Jessica. And um, yeah, she came back and just had photos and she, just the feel, the vibe, everything. I remember her from the Opolo days. Yeah. She was just, she's just awesome. Yeah, she's great. Good she, for you. And you guys have a kid now. We have a, we have a two-year-old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There may be That's another one kid. on the way. Yeah. What, there might be? Are we breaking news? We're breaking a little bit of news. Is this like, does your family know yet? Should you have said that? I, I probably mean, shouldn't have said no. that. <laughs> 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 but I figured by the time we there you this go. all okay. goes out, it might, be, sure. it might be more out there. If okay. it's not, you know, then so sorry. we broke sorry, some news. Sorry, hon. Do we know yeah. what it is? It's a girl. We're oh, a girl. yeah. So man, That's so cool. Congrats. Thank Thank you. It's been fun. Um, and, and the the two year old. Yeah, Alder. We just had our we have table grapes at our house. We did our first harvest last night, and uh, he was very much had to be part of all of it. So that's so cool. Yeah. He got do we know what we're going to name the little girl? Uh, we do. We're not going to share that yet. We're not, we can't break that news. I, I know better than yeah, yeah. to share that. <laughs> All right, so tell me, um, so we're pairing, you get this, uh, we're starting like, seeing what they're doing at Le Cuvier, and yeah, you've been and doing the bistro thing for a while. We're doing the bistro thing for a while. Uh, Chef Roberto and I got together, and we're saying, hey, how can we spice up the summer a little bit? Let's go ahead and, and start something a little bit small, but progressive as well. So we, we thought about it as a series, so we called it the Summer Pairing Series. And it was basically every three weeks for the summer, starting June 22nd, we were going to switch up the menu, starting with our Bordeaux-style wines, followed by our Rhone wines. And then the final series part was going to be um, our favorite VSJ wines. And the idea is to take a bite of something, Chef Roberto, like we're doing, uh, taking one of Dan's wines, and then we're saying, yes. hey, just, p- just put it to some sort of bite of some sort. Yes, our, definitely our goal is to get you know Dan's wine and um, you know to elevate the tasting with the with our food and with the bite so definitely we sit down together we talk to each other we you know we share our idea and you know come out with the best bite that we are thinking gonna go well with the wine we are gonna pair into it and uh, so far i think we did a great job i looking forward to keep doing that and definitely keep you know going with the same direction we are doing to it le cuvier i can see from today they definitely have more experience in doing it and uh, great to learn from them and we're gonna go from there for okay sure. so i'm very bad with accents southern i just don't know which state where is your accent from um born and raised in italy italy north side of italy yeah 45 <laughs> minutes course. from milano great area nice good for you yeah. you're born and raised there Mm-hmm. When did you come to uh, the States? I came eight years ago. All right. What 2015. What brought us here? I, the owner of an Italian restaurant is from my same town, so that definitely inspired me to come over here and try the you know, American life, and so far I'm loving it. And I, what inspired you again? 
y the owner of Buena Tavola Resort. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Buena yeah. Tavola? Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh. Awesome. I worked there for three years. So nice. I did three years at Buena Tavola, and then I moved to Allegretto Resort. And cool. And then I met Some uh, great Dan. spots. Yeah, those <laughs> are some... Unique spot in Pazorov. And, and Buena Tavola is, is legendary. It's been around here for a long, long time. Definitely more than, like, two years, 25 Yeah, years. no, yeah. for sure. They've been like... before in Seleuz Obispo, and then they moved to Pazorov. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they've been, uh, they've been here for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, 20 plus, 25 years plus. That's yeah. so cool. Mm -hmm. So you came here be just because hey, it was what I've heard about it. Now, why not L.A., San Francisco? Why did you choose? Well, my, you know, the guys located in San Luis Obispo County got me like a house here. So I just. That helps. You know, definitely. <laughs> That's not easy to have happen here, right? Exactly. So he connect me to, you know, he got me a house. So I was like, I have a safety spot to land and uh, I go from there. And then I, definitely a, a lot of work bring me to VSJ. Sure. And now uh, I'm here talking with you guys. Tell me how you went to, uh, how you got into Via San Juliet. It was kind of funny story. Is uh, I was kind of tired. I was. It was right after COVID, so the restaurant it was really a kind of funny situation for being in the kitchen. You know, you had to wear the mask, and uh, it was like limited people sitting. So I was looking forward to have a, to go back to the kitchen. So I was looking, you know, Craigslist, and the job was posted for seven minutes. And uh, I called them, and I was like, you know. I'm, you know, living puzzle. I've been tiny as ever, and and the whatever manager was there. She was like, "Yeah, come over tomorrow for an interview," and that's what I did. I came over, did the interview, and a couple of days later, they I make a tasting, and we all taste the food, and they hire me in the same day. I think. Are those scary? Those interviews where you know you're a chef, so you have to like prove how good you are by cooking for your owners. I think the the. the Talking part is not really scary, but when it's actually the time you're making your food and they tasting it, and you have someone like, you know, is gonna judge on, on the job you did, that is the most scary part, if I had to be honest, because you don't know what the other people, because you don't know it, so they don't know what they're expecting from you, you don't know what they're expecting from them. Well, you don't so, know if they're dumb or not, because if they're dumb, they're not going to like your food. <laughs> if they're smart, they'll like your food. Were you well, on luckily this? They were I was on that panel. You were on this panel. I actually have a very like specific memory of his food. And, Please. And everyone that we talked to, they did a great job, but he actually had soul in his food. It had a rustic flair. And our wines at VSJ, they're, they are elegant. They're east side, but they're, they're concentrated, elegant, middle-of-the-road alcohol, nothing too in your face and and so he he able he came in and was able to to take some of the wines and and take them home and come up with some dishes uh, and so some of the initiative that we saw and i want to also just mention at the time he's 24 and you know i know we're, he's just a young chef right and so we looked at all of his credentials and but for me it was always about his flavor and his soul and what what could come out of it and so from the time he, he did a great job at his at his interview dinner, but what he, what happened in the months following after we did hire him is where he started to prove himself and come wow. out with some really cool concepts. And I'm just constantly like, hey, we were trying to elevate this or do this or that. And he takes it and he comes back the next day or two days later or on his days off and comes up with a concept or a dish. So it's been fantastic work with him. We've worked together for now, what, two, two years? years? Yeah. So it's very different. on July 21st, yeah. yeah. Well, he's got the date down. Yeah. Wow. He's very, it's very different, Roberto. Is it not from saying have an owner of like a restaurant where you're like turning and burning or flipping seats? I mean, this is a very different dynamic. It's I mean, completely what the, different style. Yeah. What yeah, are the pluses and minuses of that? Is uh, The biggest difference is, uh, you know, restaurant you get in and you rush it on the work. You know, you have those three-hour rush. You get maybe 120, 260 people. 
people and you just you know do the same plate Turn every day. Burn, right? and the best part of the winery is you have your setup bistro menu but you have the possibility to meet members you know go outside speak with the members menu people and uh, be the possibility to change your menu many times you want and uh, create special that it can you know bring more people up to the winery so that i think is the most exciting part of my job it's got to be fun to be able to play with all the, the produce in arms reach right? we're very lucky yeah. here with fresh produce we try to bring all season ingredient all the timing and now let's uh, be honest every three weeks sounds a little bit much was this a little almost like hold on can we do every five weeks or like so new we, menus every three weeks I, I put them through the boot camp yeah, of, yeah. of food pairing <laughs> yeah. menus a little hazing sure. we do the best to keep up you know with new idea and uh, new new dishes for our members for sure so that's what I've been working for the last two years and definitely looking forward for the third one let's go left to right I know that we are switching these menus so maybe somebody listening to this podcast now they might be tasting a fall menu but right now what have the uh, folks been enjoying from left to right because these are just some incredible things that we have the opportunity to taste of the peri menu yeah well the peri menu we try today definitely i will say the summer kiss sushi with the fresh prosciutto san daniele goat cheese and cocomber and summer kiss menu definitely that is a great uh, pairing for our so this looked like sushi by all accounts it was almost mm-hmm. like you know it looked like and i can almost see yeah, like eight the, of these the on funny a plate. Part, yeah because we, me and the winemaker, we both love sushi, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like you need to be from Japan to recreate that. So we kind of like get to, let's get the ing- Italian ingredient and uh, m- melting it together. Yeah, to pull the microphone towards you more, and then you at least won't have to lean so much. You'll be more comfortable. And okay. then you'll just slide it down when you need to. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, the, the summer, uh, summer kiss sushi for sure. I would say the bacon jam is one of the pairing that I'm more proud to it because I it was a new thing for me to make bacon jam and I came out really good we using uh, like we you know I, I sear the bacon and then I add some onion uh, those uh, maple uh, syrup and uh, just melting it together with a little brown sugar serving it in a French uh, French baguette crostini with a confit tomato and a little scallion now what does confit tomato mean it was cooked in its own or? confit tomato means they they with the vapor, the, the skin fell off and he just he stayed the, the entire tomato consistency there. So he keep all the sweetness inside. So soon that you, you eat it, he pop all the sweetness out yeah. and he kind of melt with the bacon and the taste of the jam. So it does a great job together. Bacon jam's fun, isn't it? It is. It actually really is. Like taking, and it actually tastes really good too. Taking that and like spreading it on like what would be like a BLT or something, that'd be so good. It I mean, is. there's so many. You should jar that and oh. put that in all your wine club boxes. <laughs> yeah, no, say everything. <laughs> too Sorry much, Adam, works. Too much. Too late. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's too good. It's so good. All right, so before we get into the first two courses from La Cuvier, please talk about this rosé. This was the this one best rosé at Central Coast Wine Competition. Yeah, we got best rosé, which was a really exciting award. This is two acres of Grenache that we grow out of a total of four acres. So we dedicate the two acres to rosé. It's picked, you know, usually end of September, early October. That goes straight to press. It's just a, a little bit of a touch of skin contact just to get a little faint color there. And then we go to a very cold fermentation style, um, three to four weeks of ferment before it goes to neutral French oak for um, about four to five months. This vintage in particular, it's we did beautiful about- rosé. Thank Super you. Super soft salmon, platinum color, really sexy color. And just, I mean, you can see why you won. I mean, Thank you. Yeah, this no, was, it's, it's, this we take our rosé really seriously. And, yeah. Um, it was fun to 
pay some homage to this rosé, just a kiss, the summer kiss sushi, just a kiss of French oak we gave it and a kiss of skin contact. So conceptually, it was a, something that was fun for us to put together. So let's talk a little bit of the history before we get into the Cuvier and the first two courses. So to some, someone listening via San Juliet, I remember my, I think my first interview with Nigel Lithgow was maybe a decade ago. Yeah. And he, we know his name because he was on So You Think You Can Dance, one of the producers of American Idol. I mean, this guy entrenched in the entertainment industry. What brings him to that specific pinpoint in Paso? And how did you get involved with this brand? Yeah, I'll try to keep this tight, but we have, uh, so we have Nigel Lithgow and then Ken Warwick. So they're, they're co-owners of VSJ. Childhood. Both did So You Think yeah. You Can Dance, right? Uh, Nigel just did oh, So You Think. But Ken Warwick did something different. Yeah, he's done, they've all done all of it. So, American Idol and, yeah. right. So they, they're childhood friends from Liverpool, England. They started as dancers and Ken's wife, Julie, actually was in the same dance troupe. There was like American bandstand version in, in the UK. Yeah. So they became good friends. Their dancing became came into choreography that led into production. And so they started getting into shows like the UK versions of Gladiators, Pop Idol. No way. Britain's Got Talent. Like American um, Gladiators? Yeah, I mean, that is... I just watched an Netflix thing on that. Right. That was really good. Like, I just relived my childhood by watching this full-on documentary on American Gladiators. Yeah, and so that was Ken's show, I believe. And so they did Pop Idol, which was a UK version. And then American Idol was the first... USA. spinoff of the the british version. right so i believe they were told hey you're coming to america to do this show keep your bags packed it's not gonna be a success here um simon fuller who created the whole show and the right. concepts was with them obviously a huge hit i still like to say kelly clarkson pays my salary sure um, right for sure she and was so, the first one, and like sure. the one that we know, like the most. She's right, the best right. one. I mean, that's it's it's it certainly isn't Clay Aiken. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not Clay, but Clay is great. I've 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 met him. A, I can't briefly. imagine all the yeah. people that have come through VSJ. There's been a there's been several that have come just, through. It's so funny because they're all celebrities, but then they look at you, Dan, as the handsome like Ken looking winemaker. Absolutely. Oh my yeah. gosh! It's the especially with the Barbie movie yeah. right now. You must be killing it. Please. Oh my gosh, Dan's killing it. So we're here and they're like, oh my God, like I'm, hello, I'm Ryan Gosling. So that's how it all started. The, yes. the show, the, basically the success of all the shows produced VSJ, traveling between audition cities, Amazing. LA, San Francisco. They stumbled upon Paso Robles. They had, um, there was a wine, I think it was Chateau Chateau Margin. Margin, excuse yeah. me. Um, they had a bottle of that in Las Vegas during one of their tours. That is not the first time I have heard someone who has gotten into the wine business in a big way. Yeah. Chateau Margin was like, like an anchor for them. Yeah. And that's early 2000s. And so Props to Mike they're, they're traveling back and forth and they end up deciding, hey, this is something we want to do. So it was actually the, the original story was it was all five. It was uh, Nigel, Ken, Simon Fuller. Ryan Seacrest, right? Simon Cowell, and they got out of it, and Randy Jackson. Nice. They were all supposed to go in on this My together. My dog. And I think they all got it organized. They all pushed out. They're all like, they yeah, all pushed yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. So it ended up being Nigel and Ken, which I'd rather <laughs> deal with two owners. Yeah, than for sure. Six. They started this. They bought the property in 2005. It was an old existing vineyard. Needed a lot of a lot of work there was a lot of old plantings from but the they 80s built a and 70s. beautiful structure over it there was a lot of replanting that needed to be done about 130 acres of vines that we now have that started replants in 2006 mainly 2008 
leading into 2012 through 2017. So we've been slowly changing the vineyard over to have these vines that are that fit the land a little bit better. Um, I came online in 2013 before the production facility was even built on site. So there was a lot of wine in different locations. And so, so you were there when we did our cork dort show there? I, yeah, back in the day? we were there. I was, I was behind Nigel? the scenes, yeah. Because they had it dialed in, and Nigel yeah. was a great guest. I mean, it was... They built a place for entertainment because that's what they do. Yeah. They're, there's no time that I sit with them that... I'm not amazed. Do they come out a lot ability. still? Yeah, they do. Ken's there a little bit more. Do they Nigel's want to hang with you? Do they want to talk to you? Yeah, yes and no. They, I mean, they swing by and we chat and we. But we go like, over like everything. I, I would like to speak with Dan while I'm here. Is it like that ever? Or? I mean, we have. Yeah, Is it because they want to kick it with the winemakers? Because they want to talk to you about the wines. Like, how does that go? A little bit of both. Right? A little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's mainly just checking in. How's how it going? do you deal they with that? They gave me a lot of freedom. And I know, I know. Of course, they have, and they're, they're such great owners. But how do you balance? Like, are right, these people? I, I have to fulfill their vision. They are the owner. This is theirs. They're very, you know, they want to do what they want to do with the wines. They have employed me to make these world class wines for them. But they obviously know nothing about winemaking. I do, but they inherently trust me with that. There's a lot of lines to walk, but also you, we want to make the wines that our owners just love. So how do we walk that line? What do we do? It's a good question. I think for me, the most important thing when I got the winemaker job was to take the opportunity that they gave me. And that was, hey, we don't know a lot about the wine. I, at the time, was in my career, but this is my first head winemaking job as well. And I've, this is my 11th harvest there. So you feel that pressure though? Initially. Yes. I took that very seriously and a lot of sleepless nights. Well, you're like every Christmas, my wine is being sent to like every famous person that Nigel Lithgow must know. Well, one of them, I think at one point, and I actually don't know how this ended on the other side, but they were told, they told me we're sending this to Gordon Ramsay to, to taste for something. And I was like, oh, and that's, and that, oh no. I didn't really care about anyone else because of course you care about Gordon. But, yeah. I mean, Gordon, I was like, for real, I can't. And I don't, I don't know if he tasted it or not, but he liked it. It was, um, that was some of the early pressure was on what, what is my ability to, to take this opportunity and, yeah. and run with it. And so I basically just stayed dedicated to the land and the people around me that we were farming the grapes. Good for you. Um, we had a long time vineyard person who's still there with me. Euphemio Saucito uh, knows the land like the back of his hand. Um, we've been able to keep the team small the whole time. And so, and Ken and Nigel, I'm not even making this up, but they just have said, yeah, you guys, you guys got this. run this. And, and that's the way a good leader operates. Yeah. You know, like, and I remember my conversation with them, like, you could tell that was like, yeah, I'm going to find a capable person where, like, I don't want this to be a worry of mine. The whole yeah. idea of this is to be a place where I'm just like, where, I mean, he wants to come there and not feel like he's being, you know, boss man. He wants to come there and feel like he's on vacation. Yeah, like, I mean, feel, and that's the goal it. is let them do their oh, yeah, thing and yeah, we yeah, can yeah. do ours. And good so, for you. Yeah. Very different than Clay. It's so interesting. As we listen to that situation of, you know, here are his bosses, Nigel Lithgow, Ken Warwick, they have this situation. You have a very same intensity that you want to make your founders feel that same essence that they want to accomplish. But, I mean, remember my last time with you, it was in this room with John Munch. We're talking to Ishka. I mean, John Munch is like a legend on the Central Coast from like... And what a time that was. 70s, 80s, right. Exactly. So here we are kind of carrying that torch, right? Absolutely. It's, you know, for me, 
Dan and I come from it from a little bit different direction, but there's some symmetry to that. And we talk about those 11 years that we've been, you know, 11th harvest, I guess, maybe not 11 full years, but we're coming up on that now. And having the trust of whether it was John Munch and Mary Fox, who were my mentors, or Dan and and the folks that own Via San Juliet, it, it, it gives us a, a platform to excel, fail if we need to, to really develop ourselves and um, take the program, both food and wine, not just the, the wine f- program, but, but what we're doing experientially here at the winery to a different level. Yeah, it's exciting because, I mean, in different ways, both big shoes to fill. Like there's a lot of, you know, inherent expectations that are encompassing these positions, you know, being the winemaker for Via San Juliet. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously, you know, coming after John Munch and stuff. Yeah, and, and maybe Dan can blaze his trail a little bit more. For me, the thing that really resonates and why I tick is, is John, John is this muse. He was the owner founder of Le Cuvier, you know, Adelaide, his baby before that. And so I, I came to the wine industry through my father, who was a wine hobbyist to John. John went to my dad said, Hey, can I steal you away from Cayuca sellers? Bring, bring clay over here to Le Cuvier to apprentice under me and take over the reins of head winemaking. Because John, John knew that, he was no spring chicken. This wasn't going to last forever. And, and I'm just so fortunate that timing was what it was. I couldn't have dreamt this up if, if, if I had a specific goal on where I wanted to be. It, it just, uh, it was fortuitous. It's so cool because some of the wines and like the outside the box avant-garde way that John Munch would approach, approach winemaking i've talked to people from like gary eberly to this or that like the, the things that he would say he's doing or talk about doing that some of them were very out of the box so to learn and like have you know be the protege of someone like that i think is really exciting it, it must shape you into a very unique winemaker how have you become your own winemaker and balance the side of one i i like to be you know, out of the box and, you know, esoteric and get all this stuff done, like just like John Munch did and have my own expression of that. But also, I mean, need to play in a in an arena where, you know, there's a lot of wineries. We want people to come here and taste here and, and taste Paso in these wines. I realistically came to this slowly. And my dad started making wine as a hobbyist about the time that I was born. It was part of my upbringing. I was in vineyards when I was in junior high, I was in vineyards in high school. I was helping him set up the winery when I was in junior high, high school, starting to build that, which was my dad's dream. It was not my dream at that point. I wanted to do something completely different. I wanted to be Indiana Jones. So I was studying history, archeology. span I went to Greece, was tromping around all the ancient ruins over there. So I definitely had 
there's there's been this kind of like a boomerang i guess it's hard to get away from the central coast it's such an amazing place in which we live and it's all my brother's fault he broke his femur my dad gives me the call you're not going to grad school you're coming back here and so that's realistically how i got sucked into the was that a blow then was that like oh no way you're not doing me like that i was majorly bummed at the time yeah i didn't want to do that were you more pissed at your brother your brother your dad my brother yeah yeah it was all his all his what he do well, he was snowboarding, and he decided oh, so to like, hit a tree. So and it's like, because he's trying to do, like, a, you know, a McFlip 180, Yeah. now I got to, like, I can't go to grad school? Like, doesn't even equal equal up to me. Yeah, like, what the bleep, man? Yeah. You know, just, just keep it together. Yeah. Don't, there's a tree, miss the tree, keep going down the slope. No, that's not what Were happened. you a better snowboarder than him anyways? No. Yeah. No, <laughs> no we, we had a lot of fun out there. We, the problem was we liked to get off trail. So what was your, what was your brother doing for your dad where now if this happens, you my brother was, school? My brother was going to poly. He was, a, um, he was an ag business major. He had to focus in wine marketing. And at least he had a little bit of a direction that was somewhat down that line. Yeah. And... So he just, uh, he was more around. I was away to school. He was here. He was present. You he wanted could, to be Indiana Jones. Yeah, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. So I cool. was, I was tromping. You're tromping. I, I was off. And Hashtag tromping. Yeah. So it just, uh, it was meant to be. Yeah. In the in the end, it was meant to be. I didn't really have a firm direction. I got pulled into the family business. Thought it would only be a year or two. Ended up falling in love with it. Of course. And almost nine years later with my dad, I was working in everything, winery, vineyard, tasting room, doing the books, all that for Cayuca sellers. Then John went to my dad, didn't give me a choice, asked my dad, hey, can I steal your son? And there was a little bit whiskey and I got traded to Le Cuvier. Oh my God, and you got like traded like a sports person. Yeah. Like an athlete. Exactly. And were you okay with this? Was this okay? At first, I was nervous, but I, it was. What's I your, was also very excited. What did your dad it. get out of this? What's the commission on a trade? He got rid of me. Yeah. In, in, <laughs> instead of the, I'm going to quit. I'm going to fire you. I'm going to quit. I'm going to fire you. Then you know he got to he got to send me off into this apprenticeship to learn. So it's a good thing a for you. It was a good it was. way to send you into the, what's next. Absolutely. And my sister Not took over you. for me with my dad, so it got kept it. it in the family. Sure. There. So then you meet John Munch, and then obviously your world changes. Your winemaking. I mean everything just goes into but i've i've also known john since i was a little kid i've known him since i was eight or nine years old wow my dad employed neil collins in construction when neil was very new to this so neil collins we're talking like lone madrone winemaker for tabas creek exactly bristol Bristol Cider. cider sure so neil when he first moved to this country i think he was briefly in santa barbara then up here to the central coast, did some construction with my dad. One of his very first jobs was working for John Munch at Adelaida. John says the story is Neil was looking through the yellow pages or white page or whatever it is and saw Adelaida first. Yeah. If Aardvark was first, Neil would have applied to Aardvark sellers before Adelaida. He just picked the first one on the list, sent a a resume in. Thank God Aaron Wines wasn't before then, right? Yeah. (laughs) There you go. He was surfing in Cayucas at the time. Yeah. But yeah, that would have been at the top. That's so interesting. So what a story. Yeah. And by the way, Aaron and I are the same age. We grew up together in Cayucas for better 
better or worse. Our our parents are our buddies. I'm How still fun. buddies with him. I don't know if she's. Aaron, yeah, Aaron's good. <laughs> what a smart guy too. What a smart yeah. guy. Great. Wine. No, it's it's awesome. When we were talking a little bit. This is uh, the Central Coast pastoral's wine industry is a it's a small place at the end of. But Cayucas is really one of those places where you're if you do. If you can say you come from there, it's pretty lucky. Like one of the last California beach towns that's super cool and fun and still small. Like Cayucas is until they got rid of Rudell's. Like, I don't know oh, why. Oh, very sad. The family just couldn't keep it together. I but, it, but I feel so fortunate to have had the opportunity. There. Did you work to, there or something? Yeah, grow up there. Yeah. Not not at Rudell's. I didn't work at Rudell's, but at other places. And that town. was the old smoke taco place that would just kill it. So bomb. So bomb. Okay, so. You guys were the inspiration to Via San Juliet doing these pairings. Now, these pairings are a part of every single person that comes into a tasting at La Cuvier gets these pairings. Chef Rachel is here. It's so nice to chat with you. Man, tasting your stuff was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Let's talk about some of the, the, the first two courses. And then really when you got brought in here, how wine and food took you here to La Cuvier. All right. So our first one is our Crisos. It goes with a seared polenta round. Uh, The polenta is made with a house-made chicken stock that I make. It is cooking on the stove for approximately about eight hours a day um, to get that super rich stock. I have some sauteed beach beach mushrooms on top. A little bit of crispy fennel brings some nice crunch. I like to play with textures a lot in my dishes. So when I have something soft, I like to have something crunchy. You do. I love that about you. That's I great. I love to have a nice balance. I don't want mushy food. So I like to have that little balance of the crunch, you know, everything. Yeah. And what I liked about the polenta was the the scallop. It was like it was like crispy and kind of its own texture on the outside. It's soft inside. And then you have that crispy layer on top. It brings mm-hmm. out these charred flavors. To me, when I bring charred flavors to the wine, it makes the wine almost taste like a library wine. Like it's been aging for years. And mm. it brings out this dustiness that I love in the wine. So what else is on top of it? You have some smoked pemmeton paprika we have some black truffle salt a little bit of lemon zest and then i use this lady's beautiful flowers uh, her name um i can't remember her name exactly uh, it's good witch farm she's out in lompoc she provides the most beautiful microgreens and flowers so i have some little uh, pansies that i put on top it just provides this beautiful purple color on yeah. top it has these nice floral notes that really complement with the wine um, and then the next one, we have our Grenache. I've been having so much fun with baking since I have entered Le Cuvier. I used to not like baking. And since I have started... Well, because baking is so interesting it to is a, a chef. Well, because one, a chef likes to be so, ooh, you I can, feel this, I feel that. But baking, you can't fuck that up. With cooking, you could go, I'm going to add this. And you can add whatever you want at any stage of cooking. Whereas if you do that with baking, you could absolutely sabotage it. You add too much of a dry ingredient, it's ruined. Too much of a wet ingredient, it's ruined. So... In the past three years of being here, I have been experimenting with baking tremendously. I've been having so much more fun with it. I'm growing a love of of it because when you see the doughs come together, it's very satisfying. And when someone can do baking well 
everyone's like, what? You know, like you go to like have like a great croissant or a great. And this is awesome because Rachel was so scared of baking. I am terrified of baking. But you've evolved. I now I they give me I I do a baking project. I'm like, okay, this is kind of exciting because it's something completely out of my comfort zone. And me as a chef, what I love is to get out of my comfort zone. I don't like being stagnant as a chef. I love learning new things every single day. I'm a very young chef, so I still have so much to learn about and to have a new project every time I do a new lineup is just so exciting. I get more and more excited every single time. Where does a chef now like constantly learn? Are you like going to YouTube? Are you like following Insta accounts of people so that are like better than So I would say social media is a big part, sure. but I my biggest thing is I love looking for cookbooks. I like seeing it and just the just on paper. Yeah. Uh, I try and stay away from social media as much as possible because yeah. of doom scrolling yeah. and everything. I'm trying to stay away from that as much as possible. For real. Um, so I try to stay more towards books as much as possible. My, I have a bookshelf at home. It is mostly full of cookbooks. Cool. So when I'm thinking of pairings, I'm going home and putting out like six books in front of me, thinking of different ideas. Now, and when you I open a cookbook page and you go like, okay, I want to do that. Are you making it just it's like not the page exact. says? No, so you what I a do bit? is I take inspiration from like 10 different recipes. So if I have a set idea, so if I have an example, say chili verde. I recently did a chili verde pairing and I had never made it before. I looked at about 10 different recipes and I take little things from each recipe, what I think sees fit. I say like a certain spice I think works better or certain peppers, certain fats, different herbs. I try and find what I think is best for the pairing or for the recipe. That's so good. And try yeah. and make my own version so I'm not taking it from a direct recipe. So you don't feel like you're stealing it too much, but exactly. you feel like you got a little inspiration. Because if I was so taking like, it from so like, another you don't recipe. Want like Ed Sheer, you don't want Ed Sheeran to sue you for your exactly. song. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to feel like I'm stealing somebody else's recipe. I try to take inspiration and try and find different. So if I see one person's, the end product and how it looks versus someone else's I try and take the other idea from somebody else's and then match it with the other ones to try and find these different little ways to come yeah. together how I want to see it I got my fiance this book salt fat that is the heat. best book it's, I it's, got that for my birthday one dear one year and it is the best book is it really like for someone like me who wishes they could be someone like you and Roberto and I want to be able to create the best things. Like, oh, I mean, I got this book for her. It's almost kind of a boomerang gift because I'll look at it. If you read it, it's it's a great. It's probably if you're not a really good cook, but you want to make good things at your house, that it is, is the prob- best thing. That's the best salt, fat, acid. Because heat. it's the base, the base elements of cooking. And is that all what you would look for? Like, a, like so when I make one my pairings, I start with the most base elements. I don't present one item, the finalized project, or product to clay. I will break it down into every little thing from different salts, different peppers, different fats, different herbs. And then once we find each individual element, then I will do different variety or different forms of that oh. item. So say we find eggplant works. Yeah. So then I will do eggplant puree, an eggplant that is sauteed, oh, an eggplant shoot. that's oven roasted or battered and fried. And I'll do that with many different items. So different. So basil, I'll do basil oil or a pesto or just chiffonade 
And then once we find each different element that wow. works in its different form, we I, my goal at the end is to combine these different elements into one beautiful little bite, make sure the textures work together, make sure nothing's too mushy, not too hard, you know, too dry, make sure the different flavors actually work together as well at the end. Nothing can clash and the end product must be. Clay is my biggest critic. The, the <laughs> hardest thing for Rachel is she has to keep me happy. So <laughs> my goal at the end of the it's, day, I'm, at trials, I'm not joking. When I'm doing trials, we have a few of us in the room because I love having a different variety of palettes. Because me, every, bring me next time, please. <laughs> I would love up. for you to come yes. because I. My biggest thing is I love having different opinions from every other person because every palette is different. One person could like something, one person could be okay with something, and then the third person could uh, love something. So I need to find that middle ground yeah. for all three people. As a chef, is it more is it more rewarding to make something that is all-encompassing in one bite, or is it more rewarding for you just thinking selfishly for you is it more rewarding to make like this elaborate plate that'll be many bites many sides like so uh, i like everything to work together so say i have you know a plate with you know recently i had something with a filet and a strawberry reduction I want every little element to complement each other, no matter what it is. So the beef and the strawberry actually really work well together. And you would think that doesn't really go well together. I want, at the end of the day, every single element in my dish to work with the wine and to work with together. I want nothing to clash with the wine, nothing to clash together. You sit there with your meat and you swoosh it through every little puree you have on your plate. It will work with that puree. Yeah. I want nothing to clash. Robert, let me ask you, um, when you, is it more rewarding to make something that goes down perfectly in one bite or would you rather make a nice elaborate dish? Uh, I think the second option is what I prefer more to do. Uh, definitely when you do a tasting with the wine, one bite is the easy way to elevate the taste of the wine and definitely I'm focusing on doing those things. But uh, of, as a kitchen view, there's a lot of perspective the part of the kitchen so like make a great dish make a consistency dish and make a flow of the kitchen work is part of the work as well and um, of course chef rachel doing a, a great job with those uh, contrast of taste and um, pairing and definitely i'm working on those flavoring and uh, to reach up all those level but um yeah it's definitely Two different world and two different yeah. type of kitchen they, they were dealing to. Now, Chef Rachel, you were saying that you your first the first person you ever worked under in restaurant was Roberto here. Yes. So my first job ever in Paso Robles as a cook. Uh, I was working at Streetside in Paso, and the first person to ever work with me was Roberto. I was brought into the kitchen as a prep cook for the first time. It was my first day ever in a kitchen. I was terrified. And this, the chef, it was actually my brother. Uh, he was the first part. He brought me into the culinary world. And then he went, Roberto, take care of her. And oh. we ended up rolling sliders for over an hour. You know, that was our first experience together. And here we are now, both uh, chefs at different wineries. What a trip, Roberto. What a trip. What a, Roberto, what do you remember of Rachel when you first met her? Well, she didn't change much uh, as a looks, <laughs> I'll be honest. And uh, definitely her experience leveled up a lot. 
and I would never expect him to be with Eras right now. And you know, spoken from one in each size of the winery that we are, and I don't know, it's really exciting. I bet and it's cool because like you first meet her, you guys really are ro- cool. you guys are rolling. Um, we were doing slicer. Yeah. They're rolling sliders, and slicer then here we are. We're at this beautiful each. winery in this library. There's like wine 360 degrees around us. You know, dusty library wines, and here both of you have your plates that you're putting out there. That's really neat. Yeah, it is, and I. I'm really excited, honestly, and glad for her and her career that she take on uh, kitchen, and you know, and I'm glad of mine as well. Tell me the next three dishes that we got here for you. The next one that we have is we have those insalata di fungi and uh, beef carpaccio. So, ins- in- insalata di fungi is uh, with endive, parsley, fontina cheese, and shiitake mushroom. is a great pairing for our Alicante Boucher Reserve. And uh, he has a little, uh, like, uh, endive has a little bitter taste. And uh, shiitake mushroom with the fontina kind of bring up all the taste together. And the endive is like a little boat. Mm-hmm. And it, it does. It's, it's almost yeah. like, it's like a mini it's, piece of romaine. Yeah. But it, it's more bitter. It's got more body to it, endive, right? It has right? more flavor and better, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So what do we still, we, we, so then you take romaine, cut it real small, put it in the endive. And mix it with parsley and fontina. And then just put it on the little boat. Then what, do endive. you shred the fontina? Because fontina is yes, a soft cheese. Yes, I Yes, I shred. I put it on the fridge, let it cool down, and okay, then cool. shred it. That's good. So you keep the consistency and yeah. flavor. And for our Malbec reserve, we have a beef carpaccio. So like a f- uh, fresh filet mignon, we lightly sear it with salt, pepper, olive oil. Just let it cool down in the fridge for a couple hours and just slice it real thin in the slicer. Lay down on the plate, little salt, pepper, lemon stacks, and um, uh, arugula microgreens and uh, fresh parmesan. So that is, I think, is a definitely a unique taste. Uh, My unique favorite vibe. part was the way you recommended to, to eat it. To wrap it, yeah. A part of, was I was really talking fun. to Mika, I was like, should we just like pouch it up? Like, yeah, you kind of... And then it's like, you know, because, I mean, imagine like this, you know, three, four inch by one and a half inch, you know, carpaccio laid out beautifully, and then all in the... You don't want to ruin it when you eat it. You want to yeah, eat I mean, all the I'm flavor like pouch once. it up and do something. But no, what you said was uh, stick your fork grab to the, the back. Fork, yeah, grab the fork from, from the last size and just roll it up. Oh, my God. And just one right bite on. in your mouth, yeah, yeah, and you get all the flavor. Yeah, that was a big bite of beautiful right there. Man, that was something. And we've been doing these winemaker dinners where they're full entree courses, and he's killed it. This <sighs> beef carpaccio comes out beautiful. Yeah. And so the trick for us with this pairing menu that we launched in the summer was to, how can we create things that you're doing amazingly on and make them one bite, yes. two bites? Good and then idea. make them with the wine. Because we were seeing massive success with these dinners, but they're a long time planning yeah they take forever to execute and then you may have 25 to 30 people so how can we make this more accessible to the public by offering something and we limited our spaces by how many people could do our pairing menu but he definitely took course concepts brought them down to one to two bites now alicante boucher is is one wine that you hear from here and there but it's actually got a lot more history in california than people give it credit for like it oftentimes was interplanted with zinfandel um what does alicante boucher bring from just like a textbook 101 thing dan and how did you end up making like 
the best version of one I've ever had. <laughs> I mean, like, they, you know, because they're not always like, you know, I don't look at it as like my go-to. If I if I find one, I go, oh, it's a single bottle. I definitely want to try it to see. But I'm not. It's kind of the way Petite Syrah was with me. I never expected me to really end up really liking one. But when I found a couple Petite Syrahs that I really did, I was like, oh, damn. And your Alicante Boucher really, really did that. Thank you. I mean, it's been one of the most fun varieties I've I've ever worked with. Its parent grapes are Grenache and Petite Boucher. Uh, Petit Boucher is a cross between Tenturier Ducher and an ancient variety called Aramon. Oh my God, don't even and so any those of were all created through this one family, the Bouchers, wow. in, the, in the late 1800s, south of France, as a, and it was planted widely as a um, response to the Phloxer outbreak in France. Oh, okay. And so because of its yield potential, it was a great substitute, has the Tenturier in it, so the berries are on the vine, red flesh, red pulp within the berry and so so interesting to have a wine that is by all accounts very dark but like when applied to a paper you yeah. can read through it one thing because of that tenturier aspect to it you crunch the berry and you're seeing purple juice come out wow. which most red wine f- fermentation is what White creates juice. the oh no the right, right, between, right but normally it's not always the purple right it's juice. why it's the skin that creates the yeah. color between between the wine and so what i found the most interesting with this variety so far is that when you do that squeeze on the berry and the vine, there's not much change through fermentation to the end result. Yeah, and the, and the rain too, right? What did that bring to like grapes like this? Yeah, we just we I mean we got slushed with with rain and both uh, of you are on separate sides. I mean VSJ is on decidingly maybe like almost San Miguel. You're on the yeah, east side. Yeah, you're out we're, there. We're one of the most northern vineyard sites in the AVA yeah. of Paso. Mm-hmm. Um, we're east side as well. And right uh, now we are we are West Side Adelaide wine country over here. Yeah, absolutely. But Australia District represent. Um, there's a lot to offer there, and there's a lot of really cool wines um, exploding out of that area, especially you know micro lots as well. Um, I think one of the main things that we need to remember as a region is this is Paso. Right. This as as a whole region, and yes, there's intricacies in where we are but those should be celebrated and all ships rise with the tide here paso is a unique place this there's a certain freedom here and there's a sharing of information there's a camaraderie between all of us for sure yes in any business say there's competition but this this area is is all about supporting one's neighbor in in sharing what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. It doesn't matter whether the chicken or the egg first with our wine pairings. We there's something that we've had since our inception we're building on. Yeah. And Via San Juliet is doing now and and starting to experiment with and it's it's making the experience here in our area better. Oh, for sure. It will draw more people. Yeah, these are fun. I love these. I mean, it's so much fun to see what uh, these both like really young chefs are doing. We have here both uh, Via San Juliet. We have La Cuvier. We have Dan Smith, who's the winemaker for VSJ. We have Clay, who's the winemaker for La Cuvier. I do. I do want to add. Hopefully, it comes across in this podcast. But the team at La Cuvier has attention to detail that every brand and Paso should be striving for. And that is why 
they inspired us to to kind of take That's so nice of you to say level. about them. Well, they've, they're both they've flushing. <laughs> Clay's been really nice. I mean, it's, it's holy shit. Too. It's <laughs> it's it's it is. Pardon it, my French. You know, they were you know the collabor you know collaboration aside and and friendship aside. I think they've you come here and and every part of their experience has an attention to detail that is just kind of dream worthy, you know, something you think of, but no, it's hard to execute. And so they definitely don't take an easy path. And that's something that I think will drive our region to the next it level. Is, yeah. And truthfully, this is so amazing for us. Um, to be able to, we, we went out the, the other week, call it mm-hmm. and, and visited Dan and Roberto at Via San Juliet, and we got to sit down and experience their food and wine. It, it the the sum is greater than the parts. It really elevates everything that that you want out of a wine experience. It 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 makes it this this time this little encapsulated thing that your sensory perceptions are elevated and your it takes it beyond just wine it takes it beyond just food and it becomes this memorable experience that you want to replicate and you're probably seeking that later on and i hope just not only for ourselves i mean we geek out about it but but i hope people that visit this area our members, I know our members love it. They give us feedback on the daily. That's so good. I appreciate the way you put that. I look at a winemaker like you who learned from someone like John Munch, and although you are, you know, really good at, you know, keeping that John Munch soul alive through the wines of La Cuvier, but I imagine a winemaking style like John Munch begs for more exploration and more out of the box. I mean, I'm sure you're probably trying things and going down your own crazy ways and then bringing them back to John being like, what do we think of this, bro? Right? 100%. John, John's wines. And if I'm doing my job correctly, nobody will ever really know that I'm making the wine. They will think that... It's such a humble way to put it because so many winemakers, all they want, and deservingly so. I mean, yeah. I know, and John Munch is a legend here. There is just no doubt. When he sat here and did this, it was like, that was one of my favorite episodes. And honestly, the first time I had him in the studio, I was like, like I, I, my head was ringing for weeks. Like, he has yeah. so many stories and so much good Paso vibes that is, it's really, it's second to none. So to be able to be his protege is incredible. But also, I mean, you are... You're paving your own way and blazing your own trail. Yes. I, I think it, so there's a duality to it. it I makes think, you a little uncomfortable when I say that. <laughs> for sure. I, I think we, we need to be able to recognize our past and the people that blazed the trail before us. And we're building upon that. So hopefully, you know, I can't speak for Dan, but where I'm coming from, John... John was my mentor. John had a huge influence on my dad, on my own philosophy for winemaking. But yes, we we are evolving. We are learning. We 
in the Americas have not had wine grapes here nearly as long as they have in Europe and as you travel further east. So they've had hundreds, if not thousands of years of practice where we've barely had any. I mean, we're, we're scratching the surface and we are also in this, in this new world, we are figuring out what works climactically things are changing we're needing to adapt and constantly we're trying to raise the bar clay is not bsing here this is how he talks to you when you're tasting the wines one-on-one with him and i think there's something to be said to taking something that's legendary passing on to you and 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 keeping to a style i've had the ability to create it from scratch in a way my goal is to stay true to our land and stay true to what we're doing as a brand. And that's to make, to represent our estate grown spot, you know, the best it can be and to, to explore the flavors that are there, but it's, it's exploration, right? It's so cool to see how like your chef lives and experience brought you here, but then how this experience is shaping how you will be chefs, both of you forever, which is really exciting. Okay. So should I take this little, what is this? Rosemary? What is this? Sage. Of course it's sage. I was just testing you guys. <laughs> I'm going to take this sage, which I knew it was sage the whole time, and then I'm going to throw it up in that library. There you go. Do we? Are we able to me to throw this anywhere in this library? Because we're literally surrounded by bottles of wine. Mostly. Okay, Mostly. so we're... <laughs> it depends where it lives. Tell me where, I should, tell me where I should throw it at. Just, just, to- just toss it, Adam. See. Toss it. See. Okay, love that way. Okay. This looks like yeah. a dart right now. <laughs> so, okay, here we go. Oh, it oh. fell. You need to try harder. You need to do a, a more. We'll try one more. Okay, where do I throw this one? Where, where, uh, are these all, so these are all the vintages right here. It, well, it depends. Do you want old Adelaide stuff? And- you want old Lecuvier stuff? In that corner over there, Yeah. there's some oh, grown on this property, Syrah from the 80s really? so you should probably hit that okay. right there yeah wow. there you go okay. boom <laughs> done we'll hit that that's probably 87 88 89 Syrah we'll get oh one of those down God. we'll we'll crack it open I knew Adam couldn't help himself <laughs> that's here crazy. Yeah. that's crazy so we're probably going to take a picture of that. So oh, this gosh. is an old school Lacoubi. It looks like a smooth jazz yeah, record that's, label. That's the uh, that <laughs> artwork that goes back to the sex, drugs, and rock and roll era. That is a 1988 bottle. Wow. All right. So this one's Beautiful. obviously going to have to have a little bit of... So Adam, that, as we open that? that bottle has some history. You want to know why that bottle has some history? Absolutely. So when the Perrin family came over here to California and they were looking for land with the with the Haas family, yeah, they um, Thomas Creek. We just had him on last week, exactly. Our last podcast. So they they were out there with John at the old Castoro. Well, actually, I think it may even be current Castoro production facility out on the east side there. Yeah, and. Um, they they were tasting wines out of the barrel, the prins, the French folk. They were looking for something special here in California where to invest. And John John was pouring them wines and they were tasting and, and he gets a barrel sample of this Syrah. 
pours it in their glass. They take a sip of the Syrah, they look outside at this sandy, loamy soil, and they say, this is not from here. And he says, you're correct. It isn't from here. This is from the grapevines that I grew on my property. And they say, well, take us there. So they drive over here to the to the west side. They get up here on top of the hill and they start getting excited because you have that calcareous limestone-based soil. And from there, John drives them out to Peachy Canyon Road. And um, anyway, they... You're they, high up here. We are. You We're, drive up a driveway that's probably like it's, 200 feet. It's between 11,000 and... 1,100? 12, or 1,100, excuse me. 11,000. Like 11, Holy <laughs> cow. 1,100 <laughs> and 1,200 feet in elevation. Cheers, friends. Cheers. Should I just drink it? All right. 1988. The thing I still love about John's early wines is they still have so much life. And it shows what Paso can do as a region. So you don't just have to have an appointment. You could come up here, lacuvier.com. Uh, What's the website, Rachel? lcwine.com. lcwine.com. That is very special that you did it. That's very easy. Uh, Roberto? We prefer a reservation as well, but we take any walking all the time. We open 11 to 5. Kitchen, it's open as well. And, uh, you know, I over-recommend it to come, you know, try our focaccia. We do 48-hour fermentation, really high hydratation. Mm. We have uh, seven different choices you can choose. We have a uh, re-running special all the time. We what do you say? It. Focaccia to fermentation? It, it doesn't matter. It sounds beautiful. It sounded really kind of good. I love it. can repeat it. it if you want it. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> say it it's, uh, it's focaccia. So when you when you make the dough, we I let it ferment for 48 hours. So you're He'll literally, put it right outside the tasting room. You're oh. literally 48. It's like, yeah. it's like that cartoon scent that exactly. just like draws right. you in. And uh, that is, uh, you know, it's really hydration, really soft and light. We, we have a great menu where people can choose from vegetarian option as, uh, you know, I have uh, some dishes they've been from two years that I've been at the winery as a fruit di mare with clams, mussels, shrimp, scallops, lobster tail on it, come with I a can, side of garlic bread. I can verify from personal experience that it's like the best thing ever. So, so I like, oh really God, recommend so the dishes that people can come and join it. The location is it's, it's amazing. It's a it's definitely beautiful, beautiful Toscan-style villa with a beautiful fountain and patio outside. So you can sit down. We have a great tree. People love to enjoy it by there. There's a beautiful view with the hills. So I, you know, I think it's... I wouldn't ask anywhere else to be as right now. Yes. After eight years. VillaSanJuliet.com. We We're on Seller Pass for reservations. Um, we're taking a, a, a one-month break. We just wrapped up our summer pairing menu. We're going to launch the fall pairing menu September 21st. So we're taking the month to really, because we've changed it every three Dial weeks it all in, over yes. the summer. So it's a little we break for re- Chef. We, yeah. have to re- <laughs> we have to reflect. <laughs> chef, just had a, chef just had a baby. So oh, we got to give him some time. He's going to turn a month tomorrow. So yeah. it's definitely How He's turning one? One month. One tomorrow. month. Oh my one gosh. month yeah. tomorrow. A little tiny boy at home. Yeah. What's yeah. your name? Him? Claudio. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful baby boy. And we're, we're really happy for Chef. So we want to give him time to take it all in. And then, yes. and then we're going to put him back to work with. <laughs> yes. Then back to the trail. With a, with a fall pairing <laughs> menu during harvest. But we're uh, 11, to f- 11 to 5, Thursday through Monday as well. So um, you won't be able to book that pairing menu till the 21st. But we'll, we'll run that all the way through Thanksgiving and before we change it up. 
All right, quickly, uh, what was your favorite clay? What was your favorite piece from Rachel? Your favorite piece from Roberto? Just today. Today? So Roberto's uh, scallop today. And and that was done with what what was it Roberto? It was the there was a peach. You had the yeah, there was uh, peach, it, red onion, tomato, peach, pico de gallo. With oh my! Sear scallops. What was your favorite thing from oh my God, it was uh, Rachel? So good. It was so good. Oh Rachel, uh, she know she knows from me the berria the the end with our Zinfandel because part of it again is the experience and you're dipping it's it's a little butterleaf lettuce oh, and you're dipping this perfect. into the sauce it's unreal stupid good so good okay um dan go ahead your favorite thing from roberto today favorite thing from rachel uh my favorite thing from rachel was it was the petite syrah pairing with uh so the petite was some grilled peach it has some burrata a blackberry reduction crispy prosciutto that was out of the spoon yes it's in the Super little good. spoon, Is that a spoon? It, it was like an asian yeah. spoon it, there was flavors coming through that seemed grandparent yeah like something you would so smell from is probably from the wild timber pepper it is this insane pepper that is just so floral actually brought some down for everyone to try nice. what's it called Julie. so it's called wild timber pepper it, it comes from one of our purveyors uh, burlap and barrel um they are a single origin spice uh, they get spices from all around the world they're very unique. And this one, as you crack it, it just... Hey, hey, has... don't give all our secrets away. Hey, hey. Just saying. This one's a fun one. Because <laughs> it makes the... your tongue numb. This, That's so this like. one's weird. So wow. it's very floral. It's almost Beautiful like... Beautiful pepper. It has this numbing effect pepper. when you put it on your tongue. And it is such a unique, aromatic, cool pepper that I just... It makes it's like the cocaine of peppers. Basically, <laughs> what I'm getting out of that though is this stemmy quality. Very 1988. There's there's a stem quality. It reminds you of grandma's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you say the best? Uh, what did you think of uh, Roberto's favorite today? Oh, it was all right. You know, no. <laughs> Thank you. I like your honesty. <laughs> Oh my God, so much fun. You got to check out Vili San Juliet. They're on the east side. Um, of course, La Cuvier, where we are right now in this beautiful. Do you ever do tastings in here, Clay? Like, we do. I mean, we this do. Is, this we're, is a treat. To be we're honest. not as consistent with it, but this has always been a private tasting experience area. And, show, and we do. Show your tasting attendant a $100 bill, and they'll bring it there you go. This, I mean, there this you is, go. This is such a treat to be in here. You're like surrounded by. History. John Munch. John history. Munch history. I mean, he's a legend, and these bottles have dust on them, and they're all over the place. Like we just like over my right shoulders an '88 Syrah yeah. that just opened up beautifully. You could still like and the I, color is ridiculous. And I have, bo- I mean, I I have bottles it. going back to '81, wow. so I have some of his earliest yeah. stuff. I have some champagne that he did still in Tourage '82, '83. It's yeah. This room is ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Um, My tongue is numb. I love this. I got to say it's thank you so incredible. much. Uh, <laughs> check out Via San Juliet and the wines of Dan. It's been fantastic. Roberto is doing such a great job. I love to see the way you both interact with each other, the way there's a mutual respect of each other. It's very beautiful. Uh, Clay, thank you so much. And Mika for hosting me down here. So great to meet you, Rachel. Loved your It was cuisine. so nice to finally meet you. Yeah, it was really fun. Your cuisine is awesome. I love how you kind of like, you know, you've been kind of doing this for a while. And even like, even like VSJ was like, oh, we're looking at this like, oh, 
oh, this is pretty cool. Like, we can bring this something similar to fans of our wines. And, and this is like, I mean, wine pairing is like an age-old thing, but the way both of you are doing it is very unlike the way anyone else is doing it. So yeah. I really encourage you, one, if you're coming to Paso, I would say make a day to go to La Cuvier, hit some wineries around there, make the next day to go to VSJ, Via San Juliet, and do some wines around there. Or shoot, tr- I mean, you could easily, I mean, they're only like probably 25 minutes away from it's each other. It's not that bad. Right, but like do it in a day and just come from one to the other. Like you will, it'll blow your mind, these pairings, and you probably will like end up just with a late dinner and you'll be fine. Like it's that good. This was so much fun. And for opening the library, I got to thank... All, everyone here for, for sharing where wine takes you. This has been bomb. Cheers. Thanks, Adam. Thank Cheers. you so much, Adam. Give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We pass on around till the job is done. out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Thanks so much to Clay and Rachel from La Cuvier for hosting us. The wine, the food. Check them out, lcwine.com. And thanks to Dan and Roberto from coming all the way from VSJ on the east side of Paso, bringing the food and wine to La Cuvier. Make sure you check them out, viasanjuliet.com. All right, here we go, our Travel Paso Spotlight. Talking to Libby Ryan. She's from Just Baked. She's incredibly talented. Her team is incredibly talented. Her baked goods are from another planet of amazing. I'm excited to have you here and be talking to you, Libby. Hi, Adam. I'm really excited to talk to you today, too. It's been a little while. I'm not even sure. I mean, I'm sure I've probably seen you since you were on Chopped, but I don't know that I have had you on the air in a little while. So it's just so nice to catch up with you again. I miss your smiling face and tasting your beautiful creations. Been a while. I don't think that I've really caught up with you since Chop. So thanks for having me. Okay, so I want to talk about. We're going to get to Chopped in a second because that was just awesome. You are just awesome. But uh, I you. love the way your business started because you had a nine-year-old boy at the time who wanted, and I think this is so cool. He wanted a skateboard cake, and you're looking <laughs> all around on who the hell in Paso does a skateboard cake, and you're like, you know what? Forget this. I'm gonna do it myself. That is exactly what happened. My sweet boy is about to turn 23 now. So that was a little bit ago. But yeah, that is exactly how my business started in my mom's kitchen. And uh, I was a single mom at the time and I couldn't afford the cake. So I just YouTubed it, made it myself. And here we are today. (laughs) That is so cool. So how did you, what did you learn? I guess one thing that you learned in that journey was that hey, I can do this. But not only that, you learned later on, like, I could do this really, really well. Yeah. So I was not really a baker at all. I did not have that background. I was a human resources manager for big box corporations in San Luis Obispo. Um, So really, I just had a leadership background. I didn't have any kind of baking background. So anything that I knew was all self-taught. And I really just poured myself into it. And you know, it, it just, I, I just practiced. And, you know, like they say, practice makes perfect. I just practice and practice and practice. And it's just really just been fun. Now, one thing we always talk about with, uh, with these chefs versus baking is that there's so much more subjectivity. You could be a little bit more, you know, artistic or precious with the way you add ingredients, this and that. But with baking, it is so precise that what you do intimidates even the best of chefs. What is it about baking that attracted you? And what were some of the 
the parts that you had to kind of like get over in understanding just how precise baking requires you to be. That is totally true. And it is so much trial and error. And I screw up on a daily basis. I can tell you that. And I am so excited that I have such a great team to fall back on um, because they truly are such a big support system. And, um, you know, I have learned so much um, and I just, I rely on them so much, so heavily. And you're right. They're, the county is, has such great chefs. Um, but you're right. Baking is such a science. Um, and for me, it was all about the decorating. It wasn't really about the baking. And now it has turned into be so much about the baking side of it. Um, and you're right. It really, truly is a science. And it is very intimidating. Um, and now it's just about the flavors and what goes together and what our customers want. Did you start in slow? Do I have that right? Um, so Just Baked actually started out as a cookie business in San Luis Obispo by my good friends, Annie and Megan. She Makes Cakes was my home-based business that I started many moons ago. I bought Just Baked. When the, when the opportunity presented itself, I bought Just Baked, and I combined She Makes Cakes with Just Baked. That's how Just Baked came to be mine. And it was started as a cookie delivery service right. in San Luis Obispo. Now, kind of talk about being in Paso, because we're going to get into your second location, but your first location up there uh, between 19th and 20th, you have the Paso Market Walk. So many great artisan uh, craft purveyors there from everything from cheese to baking. Like You, you got like the uh, Del Vaglio pizza people there now. You got uh, the wine merchant. So much going on in the Paso Market Walk. How is it like to been there, but more be in Paso. Oh my goodness. So when we made the jump from Santa Margarita, so our teeny tiny little spot in Santa Margarita, when we had the ability to move into Paso, we knew we would be busy. We had no idea that we were going to be so busy. Um, and we were really ex excited to move into the market walk. And it has been so fun. We absolutely love our neighbors. As you were mentioning, Via Caravaggio, the Vremery, Third Degree, Finca, in Bloom. We love our neighbors. We have had such a great experience being at the Market Walk. It has been so fun. The community of Paso has been so warm, so welcoming. I love, one of my most favorite things is talking to the tourists that are coming into town um, and what their plans are for the night, where they're going out to dinner, what wineries they're there to visit, and just making suggestions. I've lived here since I was 10 years old, so I just love to talk to them about where they're going and giving them suggestions about where they should head for the day or for the weekend. What are we doing over there now? Oh, my goodness. So we have a little bit of exciting news. We actually just opened a brand-new location. This is so cool. Um, and with that, because we kind of outgrew our spot at the Market Walk, um, with that, we're able to take on a little bit more. So we went from our, which we're still at the Market Walk, and we are loving our business there. We just expanded to the park. So we're downtown on the park um, on 12th Street. Now we've got 3,000 amazing square feet downtown, um, but we've now expanded our menu. And so, yes, we're doing wedding cakes still, which we do probably about 350 to 400 weddings a year. So Whoa. we're still totally involved in the wedding community, which we love it. We're still doing custom cakes. We're still doing custom cookies. But we're also doing coffee now. We're really excited to be using Joe Bella, um, which is also one of our neighbors at the Market Walk. So I love that the community is all so heavily tied together. It's one of my most favorite things about this is that 
you know, we are we amazing. So oh, cool. we're serving Joe Bella downtown. We've got a place where you can plug in your laptop. You can work here. We've got Wi-Fi. Um, and then we've expanded our menu. So we're still doing our cupcakes and everything that we used to do, but we've also expanded our breakfast menu. So we've got savory stuff. You can have a slice of quiche with your coffee. You can have croissant with your coffee. Uh, we just My favorite breakfast right now is our spinach artichoke tart, but there isn't anything that we're not doing right now. I think that the secret here to all of our baked goods, if I'm being completely honest, is that we just really love what we do. Anytime that we think about bringing in a new baker, Adam, I just, I look at the girls, um, you know, Whitney, my pastry chef, Whitney, I know you know Whitney really well. Of course, yeah. Um, My pastry chef, Whitney, my pastry chef, Wendy. Anytime that I look at the girls before we hire somebody, we just look at them and we think, you know, do they love the product as much as we do? And I think that that's the key. It's not just somebody that's just coming in and baking. Everybody that bakes here just loves the product and loves the shop. You know, we're a family and we're not just here, you know, clocking in, clocking out, going home. We genuinely love our product. We genuinely love our customers. We have a personal connection with our customers. I can, you know, I'm, I'm greeting everybody by name. I'm talking to you about your day. I, I know about what you've got going on at home. And we, we just genuinely love our product. 725 12th Street, downtown Paso. Get a hold of them. Go to justbigslow.com and look at all the things that they do. It's so exciting. Um, I'm just so uh, happy that you were able to chat with us, and I really appreciate you being here, Libby. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate that, too. Thanks for having us. For more on Just Baked, hit up Just Baked Slow. JustBakedSLO.com. Learn about both locations at the Paso Market Walk and now Just Baked Downtown on 12th Street right across from the park. Again, JustBakedSlow.com. Just see from the website the kind of stuff they create. It blows your mind. She was on the television show Chopped, too, with her baking. Also hit up TravelPasso.com before your next trip, and thanks to Travel Paso for our Travel Paso Spotlight. Okay, next episode, we're going to be talking about wineries and live music. Talk about another great pairing, huh? I'll have on Dan Curcio of Moonshiner Collective, Richie Hartenberger from Midnight Sellers. He was on during our Chicago Winemakers podcast. And Katie Ray Kugler. She's the general manager for Ventu Vineyards. First time having her on, but I'm excited to introduce you to this beautiful property and these two great wineries. And like I said, we got Dan Curcio from Moonshiner Collective. He sings the theme song to this podcast. We're going to have him on, interview him. He's going to sing live for us. Yes, he'll sing Good Company, the theme song. I can't wait to introduce you to Dan Curcio. He's a good friend and a great musician. That is on the next episode of Where Wine Takes You. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer and fulfillment, thanks to Jamie Guzman. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. The theme song, original music from Moonshiner Collective, Good Company. You could stream them wherever you get your music or learn more, moonshinercollective.com. And again, Dan from Moonshiner Collective is going to be on the next pod. I'm so excited. The next time you are cruising around the Central Coast, make sure you tune me in on your radio. My weekday morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, heard weekday 6 to 10. Of course, that's Pacific time. You can learn more, crush925.com. K-R-U-S-H, crush925.com. And you can learn more about me, my website, adammontiel.com. And make sure you follow me on Instagram, at Adam on the Air. Speaking of social, speaking of following along, make sure you follow at Paso Wine. And make sure PasoWine.com is definitely bookmarked and visited thoroughly before your next trip. How about that new app? 
Got a brand spanking new app right in your app store. It's completely free. Just search for Paso Wine. You don't want to miss the brand new app. Love the filters. It's a fantastic resource. Check it out in your app store, Paso Wine. Thank you so much for connecting with us here once again. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Lift that glass up to the perfect pairing, whether it's wine and food, wine and music, maybe it's wine and people, maybe it's wine and that person right across the table from you. The best pairings just blend seamlessly. Here's to savoring those moments, the flavors that truly complement this journey wherever it leads. And here's to seeking and finding and enjoying that perfect pairing where wine takes you. And give me that passion, get bowing, pass on down till the job is